I'm being honest with you. I was like, well, if she's God's favorite, because almost everything she, every, everything she says seems to be true. My, my pastor that I used to, I used to go to a, another church, and the pastor used to say, my wife's voice and the Holy Spirit sound alike. And I just can't get away from that. So every time she talks, I think, is that truth? <laughs> you know what I mean? So she was always saying, I'm God's favorite, I'm God's favorite, and I kind of felt like left out. Until I got to the point where I realized that God could have more than one favorite. As a matter of fact, his favorite son, Jesus, when I put my faith and trust in him, I became his friend. I became his co-heir. I, I, I became part of the family. Amen. Amen. How many of you put your faith and trust in Jesus? Then you are God's favorite. Look at the person next to you and say, you're God's favorite. God's favorite. Doesn't matter what anybody else says. <laughs> Did I mention that you were God's favorite? We're, <laughs> this month, I've been preaching messages that I preached when we started the church 15 years ago. They were messages that kept me going when I was preaching to one or two people. That's a tough place to be. Any of you that have ever started a ministry or started a church or, you know, anything like that, you know that it starts out with a lot of fanfare, but by the third or fourth week, you're like, you call your home and say, could you bring all the kids here? Because we need to double the church. I remember early on, there was one time, and it's in my book, it's I preached to two people. My wife was doing the children's church. The worship guy, which was the worship team, was behind me. There was two ladies in the sanctuary. One of them got up to go to the bathroom. And I was like, should I stop? Do I wait? What do I do? I remember early on, we were in the hotel, and the Pierce family came to church 15 years ago. It was a husband and wife. They're right here today. They got six kids, too. And what did I tell you after the service? I go, our church just doubled. <laughs> then the Anaportas came with six kids, and it tripled. Does anybody here have more than six kids? I want to make sure you stay. Amen. But, um... So, you know, to understand, you know, that you're God's favorite, sometimes your circumstances don't say, hey, you're God's favorite. But then you find out that he was with you all along. One of my friends had said to me that day, the guy that was leading worship, he said, Pastor Joe, look out for a second. I go, yeah, I am. <laughs> it's kind of depressing me. He goes, don't you know, there's angels in every seat. And it really encouraged me. He said, God hasn't changed his love for you. And I'm here to tell you that God hasn't changed his love for you. And you're still his favorite. And um, so I've been preaching these messages that really encouraged me early on. And this one is in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. If you want to turn there, I'm going to um, pray. And you can, you're allowed to turn there while I'm praying. It's okay. It's fine. As long as you're doing something godly while somebody's praying, it's all good. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you for today. I, I pray for everyone here. Thank you for my congregation who shows us so much love. Thank you, everyone serving here today. Thank you for our awesome worship team that just their faithfulness and just press ability to just press in. Thank you for everyone here that serves in any ministry. Uh, just bless them, Lord, this week. And I pray this will be the beginning of their best year yet, not their best year ever. Father, we pray for our visitors today. 
And if there's anyone here today who doesn't know Jesus Christ, we could care less about anything else but the fact that they would leave with him. That is the utmost importance to us because you are coming back soon, and we want to make sure that everyone's coming with us. So I pray they would receive Jesus. If anyone came in depressed, feeling empty or lonely, maybe even suicidal, maybe not wanting to go on, I pray that there'd be a seed of hope planted in them today that would grow into a forest. I pray if anyone came in here sick in their body, facing a financial struggle, whatever it might be, that you would remind them that they are your favorite and that you're working things out on their behalf. Father, speak through me. I do my best right now to put aside my thoughts and opinions and just channel your word, your truth. Let me just be a mouthpiece for you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Did I mention you're God's favorite? <laughs> so let me say that again. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard to get. It took me a long time. In this uh, passage in Scripture, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, we see there's King Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat started out as a good king, and he ended up making an alliance with Ahab in chapter 19, and it almost cost him his life. So here, he, here we are back with Jehoshaphat in chapter 19. And it says that he's surrounded by a multitude of armies, of Ammonites, of uh, anybody with a knight, but Moabites, Ammonites, Mayanites, and all the otherites are surrounding Jehoshaphat and the people of Israel. And what happens is they go to the Lord. They seek God. Over a million people get together and seek God together. Bow down before God. Fast and pray before God. Imagine, you know, there's, did you know there's power in numbers? Do you know why we're growing our church? Because there's power in numbers. The more of us carrying the contagious power of God, the more power there is. Great power. In numbers. So here we have a million or more of God's people. Wow! <laughs> I can't even fathom this. And here they are bowing before God. And Jehoshaphat prays and he reminds God how God promised them that this was their land. He promised them that he would give them an inheritance. And then what happens? Quiet. And then the Spirit of the Lord comes upon a man named Jehaziel. And Jehaziel says, don't worry, don't fear. This battle is not yours, it's God's. And Jehoshaphat starts to believe it. And all of a sudden, the worship team, now I don't know how many people are on a worship team. When you have a church of a million people, I think you got a big worship team. I don't know. <laughs> they get up and it says they started praising the Lord their God with loud voices. And Jehaziel told them, he said, that tomorrow you'll go out against the enemy. So what happens? Jehoshaphat has the worship team lead the army into battle. And, and God told them that the enemy was going to come up Ziz. He was going to come up the mountain. And here's what happened. The worship team goes out, starts saying, praise the Lord, his mercy or his grace endures forever. We're his favorites forever. 
And it says, by the time they get to the top of the mountain to look out on the enemy, what had happened? As soon as they had started praising, God set an ambush. The enemy destroyed itself. And by the time the Israelites got to the top, they look out, there's dead bodies everywhere. And it says that the Israelites went down into the Valley of Baraka, which is the Valley of Blessing. That's the name of the place. And it says it took them three days, three days, to gather up all the loot. They had a victory that took a soul. And then they had three days of gathering the blessing. Do you know that God can give you a victory in a song and a life full of reaping? That's what he wants to give you. You know why? Because you're his favorite. Did I tell you that? But I want you to see a few points from this passage of Scripture to remind you that you're God's favorite, to remind you that God has made a decision that you're his favorite, and to remind you that he hasn't forgot about you. So it doesn't matter how many enemies are surrounding you or how many problems you have or how dark it might be, God's going to make a way. How many of you have ever been in a situation where it seemed hopeless, but here you are? How many of you should be dead, but you're breathing today? Me too, man. My wife's wanted to kill me so many times. I'm saying, <laughs> my wife, my kids. <laughs> so number one, did I mention you're God's favorite? But listen, you like hearing it fast again? You know how you know you're God's favorite? A great multitude, it says, was coming against them in Second Chronicles 20, chapter 2. Do you know how you're God's favorite? Because the enemy is coming for you. That's a sign that God favors you. As soon as God started to put his favor on Jesus and he grew in favor with God and man, the devil came to tempt Jesus. The devil came to destroy the Jesus. They tried to push him off a cliff. Ever feel like the enemy's trying to push you off a cliff? You ever feel like you've been surrounded? Your life is surrounded by pressure. You ever feel like the enemy is trying to suck the life out of you? Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. That word tribulation is a Greek word, thlipsis, which means take the breath away from you. Take the air out of you. Pressure that literally, you ever have a panic attack? Where you just lost your breath? He's trying to take your breath away. See, he would only come against his favorites. If you're dancing with the devil, he just wants to dance. <laughs> but if you know who you are in God, he wants to take that from you. Look at 2 Chronicles 20, chapter 10. The Israelites said, look, here are the Ammonites. Here are the Moabites. Here are the Meunites, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. So they're saying, God, remember these people when we came into the promised land, you wouldn't let us defeat them? Now here they are, and what are they trying to do? They're trying to throw us out of our possession, which you have given to us, God. Jehoshaphat's like, look, we should, why didn't we defeat them before? Why now do we have to face them? Let me tell you something. There's some things in your life that God wants to, you to defeat now with him so that you know it's him. 
Listen, if when you got saved, all your enemies would be defeated, why would you need God anymore? But he delivered them into the promised land, and constantly, how many of you know it's a war to take God's promises? How many of you know it's a war to walk in your calling? How many of you know it's not easy? How many of you know you're in a spiritual battle? How many of you know that? And sometimes the things that were never defeated come back to get you later. Let me tell you something. Fifteen years ago, God called me to start the church. Woo! Oh, great word. Fantastic. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, a couple months in, I was like, Wah! You know why? Because there's people in church. That's the only problem with church is people there. If there was nobody here, you'd come here, isn't this great? <laughs> but the greatest resource is people. Amen. But how many of you know that God uses people? I mean, the enemy uses people to come against you. Come on. And many times, it'll be people that are close to you. Look at Israel on the map. I mean, who's the maddest at them? Everybody that's close to them. Same thing here. It's like Jehoshaphat and Israel, they wake up every day and it's like, oh my God, we're surrounded. Yeah, we know. And every once, you know, every couple of 20, 30 years, you know, I'm sick and tired of Israel. Why are they God's favorite? Why do you think everybody's against the Jews? Because for some reason, the 10 out of the million always seem to be blessed. And it gets people mad. Amen? Let's be honest here. I'm half Jewish. Don't be mad at me. <laughs> I know you love me. <laughs> but look, they, they would always get mad because here's God's favorite. Why are they God's favorite? Why can one country in a, in a six-day war defeat seven of them? Why? Because they're God's favorite. So the enemy will come to take you out of who God has called you. Now look. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 12. So the first thing is, listen, if there's trouble, if there's pressure, if there's spiritual warfare, know this. It's because I'm God's favorite. So don't think it's strange when you're suffering trial. Just go, yeah, I get it because I'm God's favorite. How many of you are in a trial right now? Say, na, 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 na. I'm God's favorite. Look at it the way God sees it. Because God, number two, God is watching. God is watching. Let's look at 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12. So Jehoshaphat says, God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Do you know there's some things that are going on that you just don't have the power to beat? Anybody here come to the conclusion that this thing, you can't beat it. This broken marriage, I can't do it on my own. This financial situation, I just can't seem to overcome it. This insecurity, this feeling of emptiness, I don't have the power anymore. And frankly, I don't know what to do. Anybody here in a situation where they just don't know what to do? 
Let me tell you something. You're in a good place. Because here's what you do. And here is really the key to this whole scripture. The key to this whole passage right here. But. Everybody say, but. But. <laughs> but our eyes are upon you. We're not looking at the enemy. We're not looking at the situation. We're looking at you. Psalm 121.1 says this. I will lift my eyes to the hills because that's where my help comes from. Can I tell you something? If you look up, help is on the way. If you look up, help is on the way. Because your help comes from who? From the Lord. Who made it all. Who owns it all. Who's in charge of it all. So their eyes, Jehoshaphat, like, like man, we're going to pray. We're going we're to stop for a second. It's like today in church. Like you're taking a moment out of your busy life to come and be in God's presence with a bunch of people. This is when you, you know, how many, Pastor John used to say, you know, church is like a place you go to, to get charged back up for the battle you're going to face during the week. And that's something he said that always stuck with me. You know, you come to church on Sunday to get charged back up because you got to go back out and fight. How many of you like Monday mornings a fight? <laughs> how many of you like it's like World War Seven already on Monday morning? But he owns it all. We need to put our eyes on him today. Right now, if you're facing something, I want you to turn away from it and turn to God right now. Look for his help. Because look what happens after they look to him. Look at the next scripture in 2 Chronicles 20. Now all of Judah with their little ones, the kids were there. The babies were there. Their wives, maybe they had two or three. I don't know. And their children stood before the Lord. And if you have two or three wives, you should keep your eyes upon the Lord. <laughs> All day. They stood before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel. The son of Zechariah, and it goes on to talk about all these sons of who's his, his grandfather and his great-grandfather and all that, and it leads back to the Levites, which are the worship leaders, Asaph specifically. So when you look to God, guess what you'll get? An answer. When you look to God, you'll get an answer. And the answer was that the Spirit of God came upon Jehaziel. Man, when I studied this the fifth time, I'm not kidding, it was the fifth time, I was like, Jehaziel, and my wife goes, isn't that the devil? No, and I go, I think that's Azazel. <laughs> but I, I said, I got to study this Hebrew word right here, Jehaziel. Because you know, every time you see J-A-H, you know that's God. So here, Judah and everybody are looking to, he said, we're looking to you. Spirit of the Lord comes upon a guy named Jehaziel. You know what Jehaziel's name means? It means God is looking at you. Jehaziel. 
Yah is beholding you. It's no coincidence, people. Amen? How many of you know that names mean something in the Bible? My name is Joseph. God will add. Her name is Alicia. That's who he added to me. <laughs> you know, names mean something. We're looking to you. I'm putting my spirit on a guy named Hazel because I'm looking at you, kid. Second Chronicles. <laughs> it wasn't here's looking at you, kid. But Second Chronicles 16 says the eyes of the Lord go all over to be strong on behalf of who those that are heart are perfect towards him. Now, nobody's heart is perfect, but if you put faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he sees a perfect heart. And he's looking around to help you. Listen, let me tell you something. Before they were looking at him, he was watching the whole thing. He was watching the whole thing. And you know what? He's watching your situation. But until you look, you'll never know that he's looking. See, when you look, you'll get an answer. When you look, you'll get an answer. Didn't Jesus say that even if a sparrow falls, that God knows? You think he doesn't know your situation? He's waiting for you to look to him because then he's going to give you an answer. But I just love in this story how he reminds you, listen, I'm looking at you. The third point I want you to see here is this, that he's watching. He knows what's coming against you, and he's made a decision about it. Say, God has made a decision, and whatever decision he makes is good enough for me. All right, so stop getting divorced. And stop looking in the mirror and, and crushing yourself. And stop worrying about your kids. If he's... If God has made a decision, is that good enough for you? If God has decided that the way you're living isn't good for you, is that good enough for you? Because he's not like this. He's saying, I'm watching. Listen, I made a decision about that kind of lifestyle. Just don't do it. It's not good for you. I love you. See, people understand sin is something that hurts us. So he's looking, he's saying, listen, I made a better way. I made a better way. I made a decision about that a long time ago. Before the foundation of the earth, I made decisions about these things. And I made the best decision possible. So just follow it. It's better for you. Amen. Well, I don't make God's decision. And, and I'm going to try to find every scripture I can to change God's decision. I got news for you. His decision isn't changing. He made a decision about it. But it's your benefit if you know what that is. It's like we're so stunad sometimes. God made a decision about that kind of behavior, so why would I do it? He knows what's best for me. Or maybe you don't think God knows what's best for you. Or maybe you think God doesn't care about you. I think people that sin and stay in sin don't realize that God loves them. He has a better plan for them. They're settling. Sin is just settling for something that isn't as God's best. Instead, we look at it like, stop sinning, stop sinning. We're telling them, just stop. We're not telling them why. It's not God's best. You're his favorite. He want, his way works better. Amen? 
How many of you figured that out? <laughs> He's made his decision. Second Chronicles 20:15. This is what Jehaziel said. Listen, all of you, Judah, inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, don't be afraid, don't be dismayed, because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz. I'd love to go to a place called Ziz. Where are you going? Ziz. Hey, coming over. Uh, where are you? I'm at Ziz. Ziz. Oh, no, Ziz. And you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. What? What'd you say? Jehazel, what'd you say? I, I don't have to fight? No, 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 you don't have to fight. You know why? Because the battle is not yours. It's the Lord's. You won't need to fight this battle. In fact, just position yourself. Just position yourself. Where? As God's favorite. Put yourself in that position for a second. I know it's hard. Because maybe you weren't your parents' favorite. You know, growing up, for a while there, I was my mother's favorite. But you know what? It was not a good kind of favorite. It wasn't a good kind of favorite. And, you know, you might say, well, I don't want to be, I don't want to say I'm God's favorite because that's not fair to everybody else. No, that's not fair to you, to you not to say it. Because you are what he says you are. It, it wasn't your decision. He decided you were his favorite. So just take it. Taking it. Taking it. I don't get people. God wants to favor you and bless you, not me. I'm like, yeah, I'll take it all and more. I mean, how do you, who's got, who's bewitched you? You're God's special chosen person. You're a co-heir with Jesus. Did you know Jesus was God's favorite? Can you doubt that? I'm going, Jesus is walking to raise Lazarus out of the tomb, who's been dead for four days. He goes, Jesus goes, look, God, I know you heard my prayer, but I'm just saying so everybody else knows that I'm your favorite. Lazarus, come out. God was watching the whole thing. God was going to work on his behalf because he's God's favorite. And you know what? Why was he God's favorite? Because he only did what God told him to do, and he only said what God told him to say. How many of you have kids? How many of you have a favorite kid? Don't raise your hand. Wouldn't be nice. Put those hands down. That's because that's your only child. <laughs> but. All right, how about this? You have a multitude of kids, and, and the favorite kind of changes every once in a while. Like, this is my favorite now. The one that does what you say. Remember they used to have this thing like the teacher's pet? Guess what? The teacher's pet always got A's. And I don't even know if they were smart. And you know that? When I was a high school dropout and I went to Wall Street, I decided I'm going to be the corporate pet around here. You want me to go here? I'll go here. You want me to go there? I'll go there. I'll, get you, I'll do whatever you want. You know why? Because I want to be your favorite. Because when the promotion comes, I want it. That's how I got it. Yes. I fooled them. <laughs> <laughs> it 
They'd be like, can you go get your high school transcripts? And I'd be like, can I go get you a cup of coffee? (laughs) I'm not kidding! What is this in your past? Oh, that's nothing. You don't even need to read that. Do you want an ice cream cone? I mean, what? How do you think I became a senior vice president of a company? I had absolutely nothing. I jumped when the boss called. I always tell people, why would you curse your boss? Why would you want ill on your boss? Why would you hate your boss? Why would you go on social media and talk about your boss, dummy? We had this guy in my company who was more accomplished, doing more work. I I don't like to work. Anybody like me? I don't really like to work, to be totally honest with you. I mean, I work hard, but I didn't like to work. We had this guy, man. He was there. Do you have these people like, that send emails on Sunday night in your company? You know why they do that, right? Because they want to think, I'm working. He's working. So this guy used to do that. It's like Sunday morning, 6 a.m. I think he just would set his email. Send an email. So all the bosses were like, God, this kid, he works day and night. So this is who I'm competing against, people like that, right? But you know what else this guy would do? He would write an email to the whole company saying something so stupid and disrespectful out of his own emotion that they never, they, they, this guy never made it past go. And I was like, I was collecting $200. I was on Boardwalk and Park Place, and I even bought the purple ones. I was like... You know why? Because when my boss was around, I shut my mouth. I'm not going to risk saying something for him to hear in negative. I want to be his favorite. You think when they're in that room, they're thinking about who sent emails at 6 o'clock in the morning and who acts stupid all the time? They were probably like, he's programming that. That's not real. But every time we ask Joe to do something, he does it. I really like him. Come on, we're to be God's favorite. Do what he says. So simple. I don't know about you, but I mean, we are God's favorite, and sometimes we don't. But as long as we come back, he sees that. He's looking for a heart that's perfect towards him. doesn't mean perfect. It means inclined towards him. And then he wants to work on your behalf. Amen. Amen. So position yourselves. He's with you. Listen, he is with you. He is with you. He is with you. He is with you. He made the decision a long time ago that he would never leave you nor forsake you. That's his decision. Here's his decision. Don't be afraid, for the battle isn't yours. And he said it to Jehoshaphat. He said, Jehoshaphat, do you know what Jehoshaphat means? It means God has made a decision. It means God. So I see you. And I've made a decision. Isn't that amazing, hon? Amazing. Jehoshaphat means God has made a decision. God has made a decision. You're his favorite. Whether you like it or not. You know, some God shared with me early on um, when I was preaching this message about being a favorite of God. He said to me, look. He said... The Ammonites, the Moabites, the Searites, the Stressites, the Negativites, the You Can't Do Itites, your Marriage Stinkites, you Hate Your Bossites, You're Never Gonna Make Itites, Your Dreams Are Deadites, <laughs> Menentites. <laughs> uh, 
whatever it might be. All these things are nothing because you are my favorite. You are my favorite. And in case you didn't know how to spell it, that's how it works. Favorite. God said the Hittites, the Wittites, the, all these ites are nothing. I'm looking at you. You're my favorite. Say, I'm God's favorite. Because everywhere in the Bible you look, you see that anything that has ites at the end, it's bad. <laughs> anything you see in the Bible, you see ites, it's like something coming against you. God has decided. You're his favorite. He's made a decision. Look at Daniel chapter 7. Verse 21, this is one of my favorite scriptures. My brother, the theologian, shared this with me when I was going through some stuff, when, 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 when things were kind of bad, and he was like, listen. And look, here's how it starts out. I love this. I was watching. We can get our keyboardists up here too before we get the whole worship team. But I was watching. And the enemy was making war against the saints and prevailing. You see, God, isn't just, he wasn't just watching your past. And he's just not watching your present. He's watching your future. He's never ending. He knows how it plays out. He's waiting for you to look to him. And it says that the enemy was making war against the saints. How many of you feel like the enemy's making war against you? There's a war party out there. (laughs) Coming to get you. Why? Because you're God's favorite. It's a spiritual battle. And it said, when he was watching, Daniel said, the enemy was prevailing against the saints. Who are the saints? Any, how many of you here are saints? Me. Okay. You know what I'm saying? That doesn't mean, how many of you here, <laughs> by the definitive, definition of a saint, are a saint here? Put those hands down. <laughs> oh, that definition. I've had people, like, people come into church and be like, oh, Pastor Joe, you're amazing. You're like St. Joseph. I'm like, you get to know me. You're not going to say that anymore. Trust me. Just kidding. Just Doesn't matter if I'm your favorite. I'm his favorite, okay? We're on the same playing field now, girl. Oh, give me that. For a long time, I was like, she's got a favorite recently, baby. <laughs> Where were we? Okay. How many of you, because Jesus died on the cross, that you put your faith and trust in him, are saints? There you go. You're a saint, not because of anything you've done, but because of what he did. So when they say, listen, oh, when the saints go marching in, oh, when the saints go marching in, Oh, Lord, I want to be in that number when the saints go march. All right. (laughs) Do you want to be there? Oh, my gosh. So when I say, how many of you are saints? Raise your hand. (laughs) So he was watching, and it said that the enemy was prevailing, winning against the saints. Until... We say, until (laughs) the ancient of days came. And guess what he did? 
he made a decision. And that decision was, the saints are my favorites. And it's time to give them the kingdom. It's time to give them the inheritance. See, God made a decision. Then he has made a decision now about you. You're his favorite. And here's what they did back in 2 Chronicles, and here's what we should do. And this is a choice you make. But they chose to do it. 2 Chronicles 20, 19. Then the Levites, the children of the Kohathites, and the children of the Korahites. These are all the worship people. They stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud. Everybody say loud. loud. Say loud, loud. Loud! I have a great voice like for doing that. That's because when I was in the trading pit, the loudest person made the most money. You want, let's try loud again and see who's the loudest. Ready? One, two, three. Loud! Anybody want to have a voice contest? I'm in. Let's go. <laughs> it says, they praised the Lord God of Israel, voices loud and high. They rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa as they went out. I just want to share something with you real quick. You know what that word Tekoa means? That's from the word, that's one of the blasts of the shofar. Tekoa. The loud blast of the shofar. So they went out into the wilderness of the loud blast. And as they went out, Jerusalem stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. Okay, I want you to see two things quick here. We're going a little longer today because there was all that emotional stuff about that great pastor that the church had. And <laughs> but look what praise this does. First of all, you praise God because you believe that you're his favorite and you believe what he said. See, praise is your decision. Praise is your decision about his decision. Say that three times fast. Praise is about your decision about his decision. Praise is your decision about his decision. Praise is your decision about his decision. You know where the word praise comes from? It's a French word. Pressier. Pressier. You know how you speak French? Just go, blah. The word's pressier. The word's pressier. It, you know what it means? It means to value something. It means to value, make a decision on what something is valued. That's where the word praise comes from. Make a decision on what you've heard. Value it, whether it's true or false. See, when you praise, you're not just going, oh, let's praise everybody. You're praising because you believe something. You've made a decision that God is worthy of your praise. Listen, from the day I got saved till now, and I'm not going to talk to you people that are late, okay? That's, I'll let God do that. I'm always early for worship and praise. Why? Because I value my God. I value my Father. When I'm praising, I'm saying, this is the value I put on you. Oh, that's some people are getting burned right now. How many of you are late people? I'm going to turn around here because I want to I like everybody. So, 
How many of you here are late people? Raise your hands. You don't have to show me. It's between you and God and the rest of the people out there. I'm turning back around now. I'm just throwing, this is just a little nugget for you people that are late. The reason you're late is because you don't value what you were supposed to be on time for. That's it. All the husbands. It's really the truth. If you're a late person, it's because you don't value what you were supposed to be on time for. That's it. Listen to me. That's why I love to praise and worship. Because it's my time to put a value on my father who has chosen me. And he has made me his favorite, just like he has made you his chosen favorite person. This isn't about whether you like the music or not. This isn't about whether you're mad at somebody or not. This is about what is your value for the decision that he made about you. You praise him because you value him. That's why you go to church. Any other reason is a waste of your time. Trust me, you'll just get bitter. But let me tell you something more about that. When you value him in your praise, guess what happens? You start to believe. And as you start to believe, you start to value. And as you start to value, you start to believe. As you start to believe, you start to value. As you value, you start to believe. It's a vicious circle, people. But it's a good circle. Because you're praising him. And here's what happens when you praise God in that way. And here's what happened for them. So he says, listen, you're going to win. They start praising God with loud voices. They're like, yes, we believe that. Listen, if you praised believing God, you'd really praise. It would be loud. And it would be high. See, praise and worship ushers in belief. And then look what happens in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. He, so here, so then they praise God because they got an answer. Okay? All right, here I'm going to tell you right now. Whatever it is you're going through right now, you look to God, right? All right, here I'm going to give you God's answer. You're going to win. You know why? You know why? Because nobody beats God. And if he made a decision about it, that's that. Are you willing to put up with the decision? <laughs> the Lord put it to, the, to me this way. 13, 14 years ago when we first started the church, he said, he said, he said, son, he says, look at Psalm verse 35. Verse, uh, Psalm 30, verse 5, he said, my favor is for life. And I can't remember the other psalm, but it says that we are surrounded by favor. So here's what God said to me. He said, through his word, okay, he said, I've made a decision about you. And I saw myself in a courtroom, and Jesus was my lawyer. Got to get a Jewish lawyer. <laughs> So Jesus Steen was my lawyer, and uh, we were in court, and Jesus was my advocate. He was saying, yeah, Joe is messed up, but I gave my life for him. And God the Father said, 
I've made my decision. Just took the big gavel. Bam! This is what I saw. And God said, I sentence him to a life of favor. I've made my sentence. Now, I've been sentenced before. And it wasn't to a life of favor. <laughs> so when the gavel hit, I was like, what? I've sentenced to a life of favor. Can I serve my sentence now? God has sentenced you to a life of favor. And it's going to surround you for life. In other words, you can't get away from it. It's everywhere. Can't get away from it. You're surrounded. <laughs> sentenced to a life of favor. So, that's the decision. So what do we do? We praise God for it. And then when they went out to war, see, this thing that you're dealing with, you're going to have to face it at some point. Did you know that? We like to run, don't we? We don't run from. We run to here, don't we? David always ran to the enemy. When they went to push Jesus off the cliff, what does it say? He turned around, faced them, and walked right through them. I, I want to see that on video. He was right by the cliff. We've actually seen the cliff in Israel. They tried to push him off. He was like, nah, I'm God's favorite. I don't think I'm, nope. Turn around, walk right through them. They all spread apart. He walked through. It was like a dance line at Soul Train. They just moved. Jesus just danced right through. He was his favorite. We're his favorite. So we praised him for it. And then what? They faced it. And here's what they did. They appointed the singers that they would praise. And they went out after the army. Is anybody reading? So I know you're hearing attention. And they went out after the army? Before the army. What? We're going to fight an enemy and we're sending out those artsy people? Yes. And they went out and they said, praise the Lord for his mercy, his grace, his favor endures forever. And guess what happened? As soon as they began, I could just get knocked out by the power of God. As soon as they began to sing at the praise, the Lord set ambushes against the enemy and they were defeated. When were they defeated? When they began. When they began, when they began, when they began to praise, the enemy was defeated. That's when it happened. And I'm going to tell you why, or my belief. The enemy hates praise. Remember, we're pretty sure that Satan was a worship leader. That's why we're always having problems with the worship team. Actually, not here. Not here. You know why, Pastor Kevin? Because you're God's favorite. And if anybody in the worship team doesn't know that, you just kick them out. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. But many times, listen, for 15 years, I started a church. I know how it works. For eight years, every problem was from the worship team. Why? Because Satan will go in there. He doesn't like worship. You know why? Because he's not the leader anymore. Let me ask you a question. When you hear vulgar heavy metal or vulgar rap or vulgar pop music, how does it make you feel? 
If you say good, I'm going to have to talk to you at this service. What happens to your ears? You just want to, you're just like, oh, I just, I don't even want to hear that anymore. That's how the devil feels when we praise God. He's like, tell those people in Grace Church to shut the up. I'm not going to say it again. Tell those people in Grace Church to shut the heck up. It gives them a headache. Look what happened to the enemy. They defeated each other. Why? Because they were confused. Listen, when you're hearing something that's just, it's so, you can't even think straight. You can't even do anything. When something is so, you, you know, ha, come on ladies, when your husband yells at you and you don't like it, you, you can't even think straight. Well, actually you can, you just want to kill them, but you're just, it, 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 it changes you. When you're hearing something you don't want to hear, it changes you. When they heard the praise, man, they started beating each other up. That's what happens to the enemy. He's like, oh my God, demons are killing demons. When you begin to praise, the ambush is already set. I want to make sure everybody here knows Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. You can bow your head with me right now. See, because there is a sound that will give you eternal life. It's the sound of God's word for Romans 10, 9. And let me tell you something. The, the enemy shudders when he hears this prayer being spoken. Because he knows that if one heart is pierced, if one person gives their heart to the Lord, that they're going to start to walk in who they are. They're going to start to take the land. They're going to walk in their possession. And when we get more of what's God's, he gets less of what he thinks is his. All you do is say a prayer. It's like praising. It's the words you can't see, but there's power in them. There's a sound wave that goes out. The same way when a note is played on a keyboard, a guitar string could be 20 feet away and it would vibrate because of the sound wave that is created. Our sound waves, when we speak God's word, it's an invisible thing, but it's very powerful. How many times have you tried to take words back? So these words are powerful. And right now, before we say this prayer, Holy Spirit, we ask you right now to move up and down every aisle, pierce every heart. If there's anyone here, God, that hasn't put their faith and trust in you, today would be the day that they raise their hand and give their heart to you. So say this prayer with me right now. Everyone say, Father, I know that Jesus is your son. He died on the cross for my sin. Three days later, you raised him from the dead. His blood covers my sin. I've made mistakes. I turn to a new life today. Jesus, come into my heart. Make me brand new. Hey, here's what we're going to do. Some of you are facing different things. Listen, I know we went longer than we normally do. Guess what? The enemy never quits. And some of you need a victory. How many of you are facing something right now? How many of you are pressured? Okay, there's a lot of people. I need you to come to the front right now because we're going to set something in motion today. Come up to the front. Get up. Get up out of your seat. Every one of you, no matter what it is, bring our worship team up here right now. Come on, everybody. Come on. 
Listen to me. There's a lot of times when we have you up here and we pray for you and, you know, we lay hands on you and you do backflips and all that stuff. Listen to me. The Holy Spirit wants something a little different today. See, because only you know what you're facing. Really. You could tell a thousand people and they'll hear a thousand different stories. But do you know what you're facing? You know who the praise team is today? It's you. It's you. Now, since it's church month, there's a song we have here. It's a song that I adopted when I was in Mexico City. We were there on a mission trip, and literally 300 or more people got saved in a week. You know why? Because we sang together, we worshiped together, and literally we sang this song over and over again. And it became my personal war cry, became this church's personal war cry. You see, because if you're going to battle, let me tell you something about that those praisers when they went out. <laughs> right, Pastor Kev, you notice. When those praisers went out, when those praisers went out, I got news for you. They weren't like, oh, magnify the Lord, for he is worthy to be praised. No. There was a battle cry from that worship team, partly out of trepidation. <laughs> But partly out of as they praised and they praised, they started to believe and they started to believe and they started to believe and then they praised and they praised. They didn't know that as soon as they began that the ambush was set. So they praised with everything. You can start singing it. They praised with everything. I could talk while music's going. They praised with everything. Listen. A little price. Do you do you value God? Do you believe Him? Do you believe? Let that hope rise in you.